is the Rockstar Violinist Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Bell. When we first started the podcast, there was a list of names we wanted to interview. Today's guest was on that list. A year after getting the first interview with Mark Wood, I was finally able to get one with D Sharp. Ironically, we met up in Mark's booth at the NAMM show in Anaheim. D Sharp is one of the hottest DJ violinists out there. Actually, he's technically a violist. He has nearly a million YouTube subscribers and has tens of millions of views on YouTube. He has 20 videos with more than a million views each, and some of those are getting a million views in the first couple weeks. Today's episode is brought to you by Electric Violin Shop and electricviolinshop.com. It's the one-stop shop for all of your electric strings needs. Violins, violas, cellos, basses, bows, amps, strings, pedals, cases, and most importantly, tons of experience and expertise. If you've got questions, they've got answers. Electricviolinshop.com. Now, D-Sharp and I got a chance to sit down at the NAMM show in Anaheim. The Anaheim Convention Center has over 36 acres of floor space, and every square inch gets used for NAMM. Over 100,000 people come, so it's crazy. We took a break from the madness in one of the outdoor atrium areas. So you hear some background chatter, but trust me, it was the quietest place for two miles. I think it adds to the energy of the conversation. So here's our chat with D-Sharp, Rockstar Violist. Definitely one of the most intriguing violinists that, that we've talked to as far as how far outside the classical world mm. you have found yourself. Well, thank you. Thank you. Right? Yeah, so, so explain to people what it is that, that you do. Um, well, I... Well, this shouldn't be so hard of a question, but I do a lot of things. I play violin and viola. I sing a little bit. I DJ... I throw parties sometimes and DJ and play violin at those parties. Um, I do. I'm also a YouTuber. I post covers on my YouTube channel weekly, most of the time. Sometimes I slip up every now and then, um, but I post covers weekly um, and also on my other social media. Always putting out new content and um, now getting more into doing my own original music, um, which we'll talk about a little more later. But yeah, just trying to kind of do it all and kind of. Be, be everywhere, you know, and and cover a wide range of things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, was the Mary? Did you know? Was the, oh yeah. I think the first thing that I saw of yours. Oh really? Man, I need to see more. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, that was two Christmases ago. Um, I did the cover of Mary. Did you know? It's actually one of my favorites too. Um, I did. I got a chance to do some vocals. And um, I think it turned out really, really cool. Um, I had a friend of mine um, that helped. Uh, he did guitar and also helped with the production. And so, really happy with it. I'm hoping to do more Christmas stuff this year. Possibly a Christmas EP. Yeah, I just spilled the beans. But hey. That's right. So <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> and we're doing this interview at the NAMM show in January. You guys can hear some of the background yeah. going on here. We're at the NAMM show. Mm-hmm. But it's January. So and it's, it's my crazy. first time at NAMM. It's always like it's already time to start thinking about a Christmas album if you're going to do one. Honestly, yeah, right? because I've I've tried to do different things, you know, for the Christmas season and different holiday seasons in the past, and I found that like if I don't get on it like months before, it may not happen because like you find yourself scrambling to put everything together, and then even this year I, I worked on a few uh, a couple of songs for Christmas, but I didn't really end up getting every. I didn't start until Thanksgiving. First of all. <laughs> First of all, it didn't start until Thanksgiving. Um, and then, you know, it ended up being, like, you know, around the middle of December. And I'm just like, uh, I don't really know if I want to still... I think I'll probably sit on it, wait for next year. And so I could do proper promo and everything and not just rush it out. And, you know, because also with Christmas, no one's really listening to Christmas music after New Year's. So... There's a small window mm-hmm. in which Christmas music is, is hot. Yes. Yeah. You got you have around you know, after Halloween's in New Year, so a few months, a couple months. So yeah, so I'm definitely going to work on some more stuff this year, possibly a, a little collection of D sharp 
Christmas tunes. So what came first for you when you talk about being a producer and a DJ and a violinist and a singer? What came first? Uh, viola. Okay. When I was 11 years old in sixth grade, um, we had to choose an elective class, which was either band, art, or strings. And at that time, I knew I wanted to do something with music because I was always intrigued by music. Just didn't really know a lot about different instruments and everything. So I was just like, hey, I guess I'll just get play trumpet or something. So I got into the band and um, found out that they didn't actually have any more um, school instruments that we could just borrow and check out at school. And like my, at the time, my family, we didn't have money to just go buy an instrument. Um, so, and then there weren't really also, like, not a lot of options for, like, renting and, and stuff like that. So I found out that the orchestra had strings that, uh, and instruments that we could use. So I was like, okay, that could be fun. That could be cool. And so, of course, I only knew violin. I only knew what a violin was. So I told the teacher, hey, I want to play violin. And I think it's kind of like she, you know, first of all, I was, like, already taller than everyone in my class. And so she was like, you know what, you should play viola. You're a pretty big guy. You should play viola. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I don't know what that is, but okay. <laughs> um, so she gave it to me, and I took it home. Like, we didn't even play anything the first day. She just gave us the instruments, and we took them home and bring them, brought them back the next day. So, of course, I took it home, and I took it out the case. Like, okay, I don't know, really know what this is. But I just, like, start trying to, like, do whatever, like, that I've seen other people do. And even then, I didn't even know how to play the instrument, but I was like, I love this. Like, this is really, really cool. And just being able to, like... Just because I feel like I always, you know, was somewhat musical even before I was playing musical. If that makes, right. even before I was playing music, if that makes sense. Um, so being able to let it come out of you, you know, is was a beautiful thing. So I just, I really fell in love with it. I never wanted to really put the instrument down, um, and I started to be, you know, in the head of my classes because in, in, of my um, music classes because like. I never really wanted to stop playing. Sure. And so it even kind of, my parents, they would have to sometimes come around and be like, did you do your homework? Yeah. Like, I know you're playing, you're, you know, playing <laughs> violin and viola right now, but did you do your homework? So where other kids, it would be the other way around. Sure. Like, did you practice today? Did you do your hour of practice? Like, you know, for me, I was, I just wanted to play and just like learn songs off the radio and just kind of. You know, just do different things. Like, because I mean, the classical is, is great, it's cool, and I'm very, very uh, appreciative of classical music because that's how it's trained. But I've kind of always had like a little like rebellious edge sure. that wanted to kind of like, okay, what else can I do with this thing? So you learn how to play by ear, like right off the bat. Kind of, yeah, pretty much. So I was being taught, of course, in school, but um, but the playing by ear, yeah, just sitting by the radio and trying to, you know learn the little songs that were coming on you know, top 40 pop stations and hip hop stations and everything I didn't know that I was developing my ear at the time I thought I was right. just trying to trying to play stuff but yeah it became sooner and later became a lot and lot easier and um, now I can pretty much just hear something and you know just play it back um, perfect pitch helps um, which I didn't even realize what that was right. until you know I was in college funny story I was in music theory um, my freshman year of college, and so this uh, this girl, she had her backpack, and she had one of those tuner uh, metronome thingy things, um, and it fell out of her backpack when she was getting up out of her chair, and it just played like this note. I was like, oh, that's an F sharp. And everyone in class was like, oh, how did you know? Because it's an F sharp, didn't you guys know that? Sound like an F sharp. Yeah, and then so after that, and class was already over. I, no, class hadn't started yet. We were waiting for the teacher. And someone went to the piano and just started playing some notes. And I told them what the notes were, were, and I'm like, you know, on the other side of the classroom, and people were like, "How do you do that?" It's like that's what the notes are. Like, don't you hear it? That's a C. That's a you know E flat. That's a, you know. So I didn't. They were like, "You have perfect pitch." I was like, "Okay, what's that?" Yeah. <laughs> What is that? So that was kind of a funny story how I learned what that was. So it's definitely that has been really beneficial with, you know, learning things on the spot yep. and doing sets with different DJs and stuff like that when I had no idea what they're about to play and throw at me. Right. Just jump right in and at least improvise until I get the, you know, the groove of it down. So. I could do that too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, oh, nice. I, I used to get lunch money like that. Really? Oh, yeah. That's I, I used to bet. I'm saying, you play a note, I'll tell you what it is. You yes. put a dollar on there. Oh, my gosh. Any note because I rarely ever meet anyone else that, that has perfect pitch. Yeah, and, and my wife will ask me, like, how do you do that? And I'm like, how do you not? 
Like you can look at yeah. the wall and you go, well, that's a gray wall because it looks like that looks like gray. Yeah. And this looks like green. It looks like well, that sounds like an F sharp, and it yes. it sounds different from a C. How could you possibly confuse those two notes? Exactly. Yeah. It's just not every note, but certain notes that I'll see like a color or certain keys, like. Like if anything's in the key of C, it's always like an orangish type of color. Like I kind of just see an orangish type of color. If it's in G, it's always very blue. I see a very blue color. A is always red. Like that's well, the one that's so always. You do associate them with color. Some some of them. Some that's notes. Awesome. Not every. Not like like F doesn't really. F doesn't have a color. Doesn't really have a color for me. How about D sharp? What color D sharp? <laughs> it doesn't really have a color either. That sucks, but. <laughs> Yeah, but um, and it's it's really funny because um, I, a friend of mine in college, uh, we found out I had her pitch as well. He already knew what it was at the time, and so we were like just kind of play around. We would like knock on a on like a wall or something and like name the note that it was or cough <laughs> yeah. or sneeze and like like oh what, what note was that? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, cool. Have you see the videos with that kid, that little kid. You can do it with, like, complex chords. Mm. They're playing, like, these crazy, like, seven-note, eight-note jazz chords with suspensions and all the mm-hmm. 13 flats. Was he actually naming the chords, too? He can name the chord. Jeez. Yeah, there's Another thing about music theory, over. I did not pass it. Yeah, I just, I can just do it for a note. This yeah, doing, right. He's, like, six Jeez. years old. He's doing for whole chords. Wow. That's crazy. There's a whole nother level past Because even with me, like, I can, like, it's a great, definitely a gift, but sometimes it does get a little annoying. Like, you know, when, because you can't just, like, just hear things for what it is. Like, you can't just, shut that off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So a lot of times you're, you know, kind of analyzing stuff and you don't even really realize it. <laughs> but, um, I wish my perfect pitch was also perfect intonation because that then I would be money. That would be handy. <laughs> I'm with you on that. That would be money. <laughs> But no, so, I've never seen that video. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. And there's there's like a bunch of them. I think his dad is playing these chords on the piano, and the kid's standing over like a blindfold, and he's just he's cranking them out. Wow. Just instantly. Yeah, and it's not like he's playing them all together. He's got them all spaced out and, and you know, inverted and all these crazy voices. The kid, he can just hear them. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. I'll definitely check that out. So, where'd you go to school? Um, I went to University of Alabama, Roll Tide. Roll Tide, right? <laughs> um, and I also went to Georgia State for about a year, Georgia State University, just because I wanted to move to Atlanta for more music opportunities and stuff like that, which really never came. But I never was really able to break through the surface in Atlanta. Um, but I just transferred over to Georgia State, and I actually didn't even, fun fact, I didn't even finish at Georgia State. So did you grow up in, in Alabama? Uh, well, I lived in South Carolina, in Charleston, South Carolina, until I was six years old. Okay. Oh. And then from six to about 13, I lived in um, Columbus, Georgia. And then I moved to Alabama, and I went to, you know, University of Alabama, and then for like two years, still couldn't pass music theory. <laughs> and then I, then I transferred to Georgia State, still couldn't pass music theory. <laughs> you know, Don Henley failed music theory. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. So there was a documentary on the Eagles that they put out. Okay. He was an English major. He wasn't a music major. Mm-hmm. And he, he had, I guess, music theory as an elective or something, and he flunked. Yeah. And now he's got how many platinum albums? I literally failed it three times. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and I just kept trying. That was probably one of the reasons that I just, like, stopped. Like, I just didn't finish college, because I just, I was realizing that, like, Okay, I've gotten this education and everything up to this point, and I wasn't really being taught what I wanted to be taught. Um, because, you know, of course, there wasn't really any alternative routes for string. I mean, unless you wanted to maybe get in a jazz band, but there still wasn't going to be much support for you there. It's just like it was just something you would have to kind of, like, figure out. Um, so I just kind of was like, okay, you know, and I was also starting to get more music opportunities and stuff that not wasn't really sure if it would be there in the future if I just try to said hey let me just hold off let me finish college right so it just kind of came to a point where I just kind of told myself like okay maybe later on if I if I want to go back and get, finish my degree I will but for now I'm going to pursue this music like I want to pursue this music so you had already sort of started establishing a musical identity for yourself by then yes um, well when I was in college is when I first started uh, posting videos on YouTube in my freshman year in college. Um, a while back. Um, 
And so at the time, I was just, you know, sitting on my camera and just recording myself playing and put it like an instrument on the background and, you know, just popping it up on YouTube. And sometimes it would be even be the original original song. So it was literally a copyright situation waiting to happen, um, which actually ended up happening. I got that channel shut down in 2010 or 11. And I had to start over with... And by that time, I had already had, like, around 83 or so thousand subscribers. And so that whole channel got shut down. That was before YouTube was able to do the revenue splits and with the original publishing companies and monetize covers and everything. Um, so, but, I mean, I started back up and, you know, now I'm approaching slow, approaching a million subscribers on YouTube. I'm at almost 900,000 now. So, I mean, even though that first channel got shut down, like, we're still rocking. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So then, also on Instagram, you're a huge star on Instagram. You got a bunch of, hey, bunch of followers on Instagram. Doing okay. Doing okay on the Instagram side. Um, it's, it's really weird because it's... These are, you can have a massive crazy following on one channel on one network on one platform and then you know something like my Twitter like I'll, sometimes I'll post a tweet and I'm like hmm, I wonder if anyone's actually listening or anyone's actually I have 11 followers on <laughs> right Twitter. 11 loyal followers they are loyal but I, yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah I'm I'm really thankful and also I'm also thankful for the app Vine I wonder if we should like pause it for a second and let him go by interrupted by a guy dragging a really noisy cart past us. So we'll take this opportunity to take a little musical break and share D-Sharp's version of Mary Did You Know. This is a huge departure from what he's generally known for and shows a lot of his artistic range. Sometimes I would perform with a DJ, and I'm just like, oh, I'm not really, not really a big fan of this, and or the, the way they mix and their flow of everything. And so I was like, hey, wait a minute, I know how music works. I know how I want things to transition. I know how, you know, I know how to count. I can <laughs> beat match, you know. So I started just kind of learning from my friends that DJ, um, and just going and playing on their equipment and everything until I got comfortable. And eventually, I had to kind of had to take the leap and buy my own equipment, which was about a six thousand yeah. dollar investment. Major purchase. <laughs> um, but I think it was definitely been very, very beneficial, and it's allowed me to perform in a new way. And so now, most of the time when I perform, I'm doing a live DJing with live violin and some vocals here and there. So it's a lot of fun. It's definitely a lot. It's a very involved show. Yeah, you're working. Um, but. I really enjoy it, and it's, it's it's something that not really anyone else that I know of. I don't really know anyone else that's DJing and then playing violin during their set. Right? Um, yeah, most of you when I see violinists with a DJ, it's usually two people. Yeah, which I do that as well, and I think it's very a lot, a lot of fun. Sure. I love it. Yeah, and just kind of to be impromptu and like, okay, what are you going to throw at me? Like, right. Mm-hmm. 
So let's go back. So you were at Alabama for a while, and then Georgia. You done the YouTube thing. You're growing a social media following, and then what? And then what? Um, well, I mean, the way that I mean, I guess the way my following grew is because I, there's a couple of viral videos that I had on YouTube. The first one that really went viral was in 2012 when I did a cover of "Don't You Worry, Child" by um, by Swedish House Mafia. Um, so that was really cool, and I really wasn't prepared for it either. I wasn't really prepared for you know the the attention and you know my inbox like filling up with right. you know different messages and everything. Um, but it's definitely very very beneficial because all the people from the from Swedish House Mafia actually tweeted the video and put it on their Facebook and everything. Oh, that's cool too. And this was like right when they were about to break up and everyone knew, so they already had everyone looking at them right. at that point. So that was that was a lot of fun. Um, Here's a bit of D-Sharp's first viral video, Don't You Worry Child. It has nearly 4 million views now. because they've seen a video or you know say hey we're having this party or an event or a wedding or whatever would you want to come perform so that's that's pretty much the, the way I get most of my um, bookings right now in, in traveling gigs which is cool kind of a new way to you know look at the industry I guess yeah so when did you move to LA uh, just over two years ago okay. November 2015 6th November 20, two years ago. One of them teams, yeah. Yeah, one of those teams. <laughs> so you were still in, like, Georgia or Alabama when, I, when you were blowing up. I was in New Jersey. Um, okay. So in, in, in 2012 um, was when I started playing nightclubs and everything in New Jersey. I got a, I got booked for a party there, um, by actually by my former manager. He was throwing a party, and um, I played at it, and people loved it. And he was like, yo, I want to book you for more things. So he started booking me for more for more events because he was a promoter in town and everything. And um, we actually started working together a lot closely, and he became my manager. And um, it was actually really cool. Like, we had a, a really good run. Um, and we're still, you know, still in touch and everything. And so that's when, in 2012, that's when I moved to Atlantic City and started some performing nightclubs and got exposed to that scene. And I actually forgot where I was going with this thought. Absolutely <laughs> <I> forgot. <laughs> well, we just we just had like this napkin. Yeah, I, that might have like I'm my thought flew away I with the like napkin. Forrest Gump with like the little, little feather. <laughs> right. Um, so, what was the question? Yeah, you were in New Jersey. And then, yeah, when did you end up in LA? Okay. Yeah. So I was in New Jersey for a few years, and that's when like Vine, the app Vine happened. I got on that. And um, started playing little six-second covers of of songs, and people loved it. Like doing my own little six-second remixes of, every, of uh, popular songs that people knew, and people really gravitated towards it, which pushed all my other social media. And then a few, a lot, a few, I was realizing that a lot of my friends that were like doing online stuff and YouTubers and everything, they were moving out to LA. I was like, why is everyone moving out to LA? Um, and so I actually finally came to visit once, and I actually, I, when I was taking a, um, a Ableton production course out here, so I used that as a chance to just come and visit. I fell in love with it, like, and also just being around other like creatives, you know, that are you know working hard and really hustling. So at that point, I, I just made it my own, my goal, my main goal to get out here, and move to LA, and I was also very inspired in, in, in LA as well. So. 2015 is what I 
Yeah, yeah, 15, 2015. November 2015 is when I made the move to LA. It took all that for me to remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those years all start to run together after a while. A little, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so most of your time, are you like maintaining social media and recording and all that, or are you are you playing out? Where's where's your main focus, or is it sort of both? It's kind of spread throughout, throughout all of that um, because the social media thing is, you know, it's an everyday thing, just being current and um, and then also recording, filming um, for YouTube and everything, um, which now I've kind of gotten it down to a pretty easy thing because most of my videos have a certain um, style now, unless I'm doing something like with a lot higher production value, when then I'd hire, you know, a videographer and stuff like that. But... Um, I pretty much do it myself now, and I'm also editing my videos myself. So that's time goes towards it saves that. Saves a lot of money. Yes. It does take a lot of time. Yes, yes, definitely. And then um, when I'm not doing that, I am doing some traveling. Um, not heavy traveling at the moment, um, but I think the spring and summertime, I'm, I'm already seeing this. There's a lot of stuff that's kind of that's coming in now. Um, so it should be pretty busy as far as traveling and everything in spring and summer this year. So pretty excited for that because touring and playing shows is honestly my favorite part of everything. I feel like that's the reward yeah. for you know for all the stuff, the, the returning emails and all that type of stuff, the, the day-to-day stuff. I feel like performing is like the ultimate reward for that. So where's like the coolest place that you play? The biggest show, the mm. coolest place, or the coolest tour you've been on? The coolest, my most favorite show I think I've done... Yeah, the most most favorite show I've done is the Holly Festival of Colors. It was um, in Mexico City, and um, it was so cool. It was uh, an EDM jazz music festival, and I had a really prime slot. Um, it was like right as the sun was going down, um, and so the, you know it wasn't too hot. Everyone was just really having a really good time. And from the moment I pressed play on the CDJ, people were jumping up and down, raging out, and. It was just a good time, and it was also it's one of those festivals where they give you these packets of colored dust. You like throw up in the air, and it makes this cool effect. And so there would be like some synchronized parts where they'd have somebody like count down, and then like everybody would do it at one time. And all you see is like just these different colors of like dust, and you leave, and you're just you have just covered co- covered in stuff and, and color. So that was um, I did I did one there, and I also did another. It's a traveling festival, so I did one in London as well. They were both really really cool the one in London was bigger it was about 12,000 people the one in London the one in Mexico City was about six or 7,000 but the crowd at the Mexico City one was banging <laughs> that's awesome it's when when a crowd is throwing energy your way man there's that's that's the best drug mm-hmm. anybody can ever imagine definitely definitely and it's it's honestly is addicting and I've when I was doing like at times where I do heavy touring and heavy traveling and I'm after that I'm like home for a few weeks I feel like I'm kind of having like withdrawals uh, <laughs> like I need to be back on stage yeah it's like the post tour blues everybody yes. talks about yeah yes. you're like back home and it's like I have to go to the grocery store and I have to go to Walgreens and right. this sucks right and two weeks ago I was getting a limo picked up right. from the hotel to, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um but yeah so so you're doing some original stuff. Talk yes. about some of your original stuff. I released my first original track. Oh, right before I moved to LA about two years ago. Um, it's called Nightfall, and it is a it's house. It is soulful. It's dancey dance music violin driven um, and I'm, I'm really proud of that single because I really I feel like it really at the time it was like this is who I am this is like the type of music that I love this is what makes me dance these are the sounds that makes me dance I'm doing my most favorite thing in the world I'm playing violin on this tunes and yeah um, so I'm really, I'm really really proud of that that was my first single and I also did a vocal version of that um, the first the original version is violin driven I did a vocal driven version of it um, called Freaks Come Out. So basically, like, Freaks Come Out at Night. Yeah. Um, a couple months later. Um, and that was one of the first times that I ever did vocals on an original song. 
too. So it was a definitely a lot of firsts. Yeah. Um, and so from then I started, you know, to release original music. And I'm, this year, actually, another little tidbit of information that you're hearing here first. Expect a lot, a lot, a lot more original music from your boy D Sharp this year. Um, but I also have another song called uh, The Ghost of You, which I think now is my favorite original that I've done. Um, that one's violin and vocals. And um, I also have another original called Panorama. And I have a few of them right now that are kind of like, I'm waiting on some labels to uh, to hear back from some labels about possible releasing them. Um, but if not, I'll just do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> just throw it out myself. Yeah. Don't be afraid of the dark, baby. Just let go and give your hand to me. Sun's going down, but you best believe we'll be a light for all to see. Here's the tune he was talking about, Freaks Come Out. It turns out that you've all already heard another of his original songs, Panorama. That was our intro music for this episode. I want to take this opportunity to talk about our sponsor, Electric Violin Shop. They carry instruments from about 20 different manufacturers. No other shop on the planet has the variety of electric instruments that you can find hanging on the wall in Durham, North Carolina. It is truly a pilgrimage for so many amazing players. Can't get to Durham? Don't worry. EVS ships to 90 countries around the world. Shipping is free inside the lower 48 states. Obviously, they can't ship to Madagascar for free, but they do ship to Madagascar. There's a 30-day return policy, so if you're not sure about an instrument, you can order with confidence, knowing that you won't get stuck with an instrument that isn't the best possible fit for you. Need expertise? Everyone on staff is a string player. Plus, two full-time touring pros are on staff part-time, so there's a wealth of knowledge to pull from there, too. ElectricViolinShop.com for all your electric string needs. Let's take a listen to D-Sharp and his song, Freaks Come Out. Then we'll get back to our conversation with him. Sometimes you got to be your own label. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did with my, my first singles that I put out. I've never used a label for anything yet. Um, I'm not totally against it, in, you know, where it's, if it's going to be a win-win. Right. Um, but, you know, all those things, they can be a lot one-sided sometimes. It's a lot better when their interest, when they're chasing you, mm -hmm. it's better than when you're chasing them. Yes. And when you, 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 know, you build leverage. up your own following, mm -hmm. and they're like, hey, we should talk. You're like, yeah, we should talk. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if you got something good for me, then we can talk. If exactly. Not, then I, I don't need you, man. I'm making it. Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about your instrument. You know, okay. the, all the videos and stuff. You got you got some cool instruments. Let's talk about those. Um, my main instrument that I'm recording right now is on, recording on right now is a five string viola that I got from Fiddler Shop. Okay. Yeah, they actually made it custom for me, and um, it's really really nice. So um, high really, E or low F? High E. Okay. Uh huh. So I can do all the viola stuff and the you know. <clears throat> and this, I was I was looking for because you know 16 inches is way more comfortable for me. And also I started on viola too. Sure. So and being able to have that high E string on a viola, so it is is, is great. And so I mean I kind of sometimes I call it my violin, sometimes I call it my viola, sometimes I just call it my fiddle. Um, but that's that's the one I'm pretty much recording on exclusive, exclusively right now. Occasionally I'll record on electric, but it's not a whole lot. It's, unless I just specifically want that sound. But I normally like to just do you know that in post post production, like just tweak the sounds and everything. Um, and I'll also, so to shoot videos, I have this little blue 
um, violin that I just bought off of eBay a few years ago, um, just because I, I love the color of it. I actually recorded some some things on that too. My first single I recorded on on that little blue one hundred and fifty dollar violin, um, and I do I do a lot of my videos with that one. Um, I don't I definitely don't perform on that one, but I, and I also perform on a, a Yamaha Silence viola that I've added the E string to. Okay. Um, so yeah. you restrung the SVV viola mm-hmm. basically as a violin. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I found it more beneficial for me to have the high E instead of that low C. Sure. So, but like, you're a big dude, so I can yeah. imagine that having the viola is, is it's better perfect for size. You, like, the, the violin, inch. they're a little tight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I was playing some in here, um, and I'm just like, wow, I haven't even played a regular-sized, full-size violin in a, a while. And so it's just like, you know, trying to, like, squeeze my fingers together. Not really, but... That's what it feels like when I first pick up the, the violin. So for the li- listeners, we were just at the Mark Wood mm. booth here at NAMM. Yes. And it was his first time ever playing a seven-string violin. Viper, yeah. And just, it, you wouldn't have known it was his first time. He's over there killing that thing. <laughs> it, it takes some getting used to. Um, like, it only, honestly, like a couple minutes until you, you know, realize what's going on. And it's like, oh, okay. But, of course, I mean, I would need to practice on those strings to like really know what's what's happening um, they will make a viper viola they will, will they? make a viper and viola size they sure will okay yep. in fact when we go back there i'll introduce you to the to the lead luthier the guy that actually makes them now okay and that's the guy to talk to if you ever want one made he'll make it any way you want awesome that would be really awesome you make it whatever size you want however you want okay and I feel like that that would be really cool. Like as I'm DJing, I don't have to put down the violin or like hold it, you know, under my chin while I'm, you know, mixing and everything. I can just. So that's the beauty of a custom shop. I mean, they, they do production stuff, but it, each one is handmade. Mm. So. Oh really? Yeah. yeah so okay. it ain't no big deal to just make it a little, especially for a big star, man. <laughs> no, I can't really <laughs> say all that, but <laughs> maybe a rising star. There we go. So we're. <laughs> Big star or rising star, either one. But with over 13 million views on this tune on YouTube alone, I'd say he's doing something right. This is his cover of Ellie Goulding's Love Me Like You Do. starting to perform out and like getting in little talent shows and stuff like that I was probably maybe 14 or so years old I really wanted a cool nickname you know I was always watching all these rappers and singers and stuff like that that had these cool names it's like I want one so I went through a lot of things I kind of wanted to keep it musical right so I went through a lot of different musical terms that I thought that I could just flip into being my stage name which didn't really work like one idea was like De Crescendo that didn't really stick. <laughs> just keep getting quiet. <laughs> just quieter and quieter, right? Um, <laughs> I wanted to call myself Forte for a while. That didn't really work. Um, and then, you know, my real name is Derek, so I figured I would just flip that, make it into something musical. I, there was actually a comedian that I had heard of named B Flat. I was okay. like, oh, that's kind of cool. And the, the flat was spelled like with a PH or whatever. Um, and I was like, D Sharp. <laughs> It just it just stuck. It just right. like had like it just rolled off my tongue. It just rung D sharp, D sharp. You know, of course, you got to say it in a bunch of different little situations sure. and stuff <laughs> to see if it works. And it it stuck because people, my friends were already calling me D nice. That was like their nickname that my friends gave me. Um, so I just you know D sharp, and it, it stuck to this day. Like my parents even call me D sharp. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, now, I don't I, I don't mean to you know steal the the name D Sharp or steal the you know the note or whatever but I mean it works every time you play one now 
right. Every time one of y'all plays a D sharp, you gotta you gotta send a little money this That's way. Right. I got the copyright now. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wild if I could trademark? <laughs> you could trademark a note. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so one of the things that we're doing in this season of the podcast is we're asking artists to break down a song of theirs, and we'll talk about it a little bit, and then we'll play it for people. And they can maybe we'll play a little bit of it and then talk about. I don't know. We'll mm-hmm. see how that works out. But, so uh, you've sort of thought about a track that you want to break down and, and tell us where it came from and, and how you put it together. Okay. So my song, "The Ghost of You." I wrote it about a year and a half ago. Um, I had some help writing it because I'm not the best at writing lyrics. I'm not the best at all at writing lyrics, fun fact. Um, but I, I really, I pushed through it. And so it starts out with a, a lush violin intro and this building up into this drop, which actually starts the first verse. A lot of times, you know, it's, it's, it's a house track, so a lot of times it's building up and the drop is just all instrumental. It may have vocals on the, the build-up or the, um, the valley, so to speak, um, but not in the drop, not normally. But I figured I would, it's my music, it's my song, so <laughs> do what you want. So it builds up, and then when I first start the first verse, which goes, no matter what I do, I keep coming back to the ghost of you, no matter what I say, I can't make you go away. Um, so it's it's basically about trying to move forward from your past, but it's just it's something about it that just keeps like that's always there. And I, I wrote it specifically so it could apply to a wide variety of situations. So it could be a past love or you know, whatever, or maybe someone, a friend, or like a, maybe a family member, member that has passed over, or like, I mean, it could mean a, a wide variety of things. I don't mean to be so dark, but that's just kind of how it happened. Sure. Um, and it's about, like, trying to move forward and trying to just forget about something and get it out of your life, but it's always still there, and there's something about it that's still kind of, like, haunting you and something that's still a part of you. Not necessarily haunting, but something that's still a part of you. Um, and it's not necessarily negative. Because a lot of times, a lot of things you don't need to actually move out of your life. And, you know, there's something about it that should stick with you and remind you of, you know, a situation or remind you of a lesson that you learned. So this song kind of covers all of that. And then the, um, the second part of the, of the, uh, the verse, the first verse goes, I can't let you go. Grant me back my soul. So that basically, it's just like an internal struggle. And then from that, it goes into a really cool violin um, midsection. Um, and then I bring in the second part. I layer the, uh, the violin solos with the second part of the chorus that I already have. And then I do a build-up uh, into the last final drop slash um, chorus slash um, verse. Uh, and we just rock it out for the rest of the song. And both both uh, both verses are the same. Um, I don't like to have too much too much literature in my music. You know, I, I like it to be you know something that sticks with you, hits you, and sticks with you. And you know, even after you've been dancing, you still remember. Sure. And it's all like, and I like it to be catchy too. And, the hook is where it's at. Mm-hmm. So that's the ghost of you. Awesome. So musically, uh, maybe talk a little bit about the composition musically. Okay. Um, so the instrumental for the ghost of you uh, was actually made by a good friend of mine named Lapatia out of New York. Um, it was almost finished by the time I actually by the time I heard the instrumental, and I was able to you know have a few inputs and everything on the final layout of it. But, um, yeah, where was I going with that? Oh, this construction. So it started out, I pretty much wrote the song in the order that the song is, in the order that it's in. So it's, it started out with me just kind of like, just free, most things start out with me just freestyling on the violin, just until I get a cool melody going, and then building off of that. So I, for the intro, I chose to keep it really, really simple. It was just a... And I, I 
basically just looped it, and then each time I added a harmony as it was building up to the um, first verse slash chorus slash drop. <laughs> and um, so wrote that, got that out, and then it was time, I was like, okay, well, it's time to do these vocals. Like, because the song was screaming for vocals. It, like, and it was screaming for my vocals. Like, so um, I hit up a, a few friends of mine. I, I already started on the original idea for the vocals, but I hit up a few friends of mine that are, you know, talented songwriters to just kind of perfect it and make it make a little more sense because a lot of times, like, they're like, what are you talking about? Like, you, yeah. you listen to it, they're like, wait, what are you talking about here? I'm like, well, it's about this. That's not really what it's saying. So, it means it kind of, I'm really thankful for, you know, my circle of friends that are able to kind of give me input sure. on certain things. And, you know, basically, if something sucks, they tell me it sucks. You need friends like that. Yes. Yes. Um, so I wrote so I wrote the um, the verse, and then then came the midsection of the song, the the slower midsection, uh, well the lower energy midsection. Um, and for that, I think I I think I improvised that whole section, um, the violin solo. I think I improvised. I'm pretty sure I improvised it, and then just added to it with different harmonies and ad libs. <clears throat> And the the build the last build up in the song pretty much wrote itself because it's it's basically just a tremolo uh, run like a run I did with all with tremolos and then I did some harmonies on top of that as well as it's building up the intensity to the last drop and I put the same um, first first chorus in that last drop and yeah that's how it. That's, that's how it happened. Yeah, it was it was done at that point. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so now we'll listen to it. Yes.
So, how can people find you? Okay. How can our listeners find you? You can find me on all of your social media at Who Is D Sharp. Facebook, just search D Sharp. YouTube, I am D Sharp. That's my YouTube name. Or you can just, honestly, you can search D Sharp there and you'll find me. Um, I've actually gotten it, not to brag, but I've gotten it to the point where if you search the word violin on YouTube, I think I should be around the second or third thing that comes up. Yo. So that's pretty cool. Very nice. Um, yeah, it's all in like just keeping my tags the same yep. and everything and SEO, I guess. There's, um, there's a whole game about playing all those algorithms and figuring that stuff out. I only know the surface. Right. Yeah, it goes very, very deep. But yeah, you can find me on all your social media at WhoisDsharp and YouTube. I am DSharp and also uh, WhoisDsharp.com. And uh, some tours, if you got tours coming up where maybe uh, people can find it if you're going to be in their area. Um, do you just have to keep up with me on my social media? Because I'm, I'm planning some stuff right now, but as of right now, I don't have anything right. structured yet. So Things just, happen fast, too. Sometimes an event can pop up in three days. You're halfway across the country. Literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literally. It's definitely happened. So just keep up with me on my Instagram, Twitter, everywhere. And, um, yeah, I'd love yeah, to hear man. from you guys as well. Yeah, it's been a great hang, man. I appreciate you uh, meeting with us and doing the interview. And, my pleasure. Thank and, you. Uh, I can't wait to see what you've got coming next. All right. Thanks so much. Yeah. That was D Sharp, rock star, violist, and DJ. We'll take another listen to his single Panorama on the way out. Thanks so much for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please do us a favor and share it with your friends. Also, give us a subscribe and a five-star review on whatever platform you're using. That helps us a lot. We'll be back in a few weeks with another fantastic artist. Until then, play loud, play proud.